there will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. Bitcoin is punk rock. Deal with it. You split, we bankrupt you. Do you use Lightning wallets to pay for things or not? No. Bitcoin Cash would be seen as more of a threat to the United States hegemony than Bitcoin. Miles, tell me, what's your favorite kind of money? Bitcoin Cash. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast. Following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency, today's the day to make it happen. It's episode number 55, BCH day number five, actually. So coincidental 555 right there. Today is Monday, the 1st of August, 2022. I'm your host, Jeremy. Uh, no guest today. Jet is producing and giving us insights on the show and we're also having some drinks so i am having um vodka smirnoff and uh what's this cherry cherry coke and i've got some rum and coke here as well too as a as a backup what are you drinking jet uh i'm drinking i guess a shitty dave matthews is what they're called uh it's just it's normally a like clear rum with uh, amaretto and pineapple juice and cranberries and then normally there's like a lime garnish i just shot a bit of lime juice in there mate that's pretty fancy i always feel bad because well i don't feel bad i guess but when i'm at a bar i always order like a rum and coke even though i don't say cuba libre because i feel like that's kind of uh <laughs> kind of posh to do right or if i get a vodka orange juice which i also like I'll, that's called a screwdriver yeah. but i don't say that just because i'm worried that the bar person is gonna not know that and 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 say what and i'm gonna say yeah vodka orange juice and they're gonna say all oh, right <laughs> and like, like we could just avoid all of that yeah uh so i, I don't know i wonder how i guess there must be it must be but i've never worked at a bar i guess it must be part of working there that you learn the top 100 different cocktails but you couldn't know everyone sure there's so many random different ones that people know or whatever right and i imagine they would like this definitely people still making new drinks right so what are you gonna yeah, do yeah. like once a month go on reddit the new drinks yeah yeah exactly i mean i probably need to know the top 25 most common or whatever but it would be a Pareto distribution so probably if it's in that final 20 percent, then it's just like explain me man because i don't know what the hell you're talking about make it yourself at home if you're so <laughs> fancy or whatever this is not the this is not the empire state building or something like <laughs> what are you talking about uh yeah so anyway that's it i don't think we've ever done a, a drinks stream before and uh I, yeah, I guess we're not going to get too drunk, probably, but yeah. I'm cheers. not, uh, cheers, <laughs> cheers, mate. Can we do like, uh, <laughs> it's too far away from me, but right. <clears throat> well, celebration is on then let's get, uh, cracking. Let's get straight into it. So first thing is the price, uh, because what else would you care about on the fifth anniversary of bitcoin cash uh independence 
So we actually had a good week this week. Uh, it could have been a better week, honestly. The price has been higher, but uh, we've had a good, solid, nice bump up to $136.92 per BCH. One uh, BTC buys 168.2 uh, BCH, so a bit of an increase there. It was as, as high or as low, depending on how you look at it, as uh, 140 nine point something so it did get under 150 to one which was good and i've also got here one ethereum buys 11.89 bch i have decided that it is time to start uh representing the bch to ethereum um price and talking about that every week to front run the fact that ethereum is on the rise to eventually take over bdc and be the market leader so we're going to front run that by already tracking the price against Ethereum because eventually everyone's going to start tracking against Ethereum like they start tracking against um, against uh, BTC. And I also want to tell the listeners, I did get, I picked up a tiny bit, like 50 bucks, 100 bucks of Ethereum and a little bit of Monero. And I'm going to keep putting a little bit into those, obviously still mostly BCH because it's the bomb, but I'm, I'm also going to get a little bit of those other ones because I can see that they're also going to be making gains in this environment against BDC. So very rare portfolio update and uh, speculative uh, side from me. But how are you feeling about the price, man? Is it, is it good to have a plus week? I mean, yeah, but to be honest, I've been so busy. I haven't actually like used any Bitcoin cash in uh, a week or two. And so, I don't know. I kind of feel like, well, like this this peak, this rally isn't for me. We got to go back for another dip. I'll get some more. I'll go for the next one. Yeah, I mean, could have been in the bottom then, whatever it was, $94, 90, $95, whatever. Yeah, I think it was. I remember for sure in the chat seeing that $99 one. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to just uh, see everyone else a little more excited about it and to be able to open an app and see green instead of red. There's something mentally about that, right? That's a little more uh, comforting. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Not too big we've... of a concern for me. Well, we've had a we've had a rough run, basically, right? And I just I feel great on this show to be able to give good news. If you bought last week, you're up. That's when is the last time that we got to announce that, right? So it's good to add a little bit of energy into the scene. And while yeah, you know, you just dollar cost average. We talked about all those ways to survive the bear market. Blah blah blah. Keep earning, keep spending. You know, play the long game. Um, just imagine the dollars being pumped out at an all time high, which they are. Uh, you know, that supplies devaluing and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, Bitcoin payment module has a great question in the chat. Did you get a haircut or is no. it just man buns today? It's just a man bun. It's at the point where I need to get a trim. It's fucking annoying, man. <laughs> so anytime I'm Very doing something now, yeah, it's going back. All right, I see, I see. Including the podcast, serious business. Exactly. Once the once the podcast starts, you got to look professional uh, for that. Uh, and we will get to yeah some of this uh, discussion about the BCH birthday stuff. I'll, I'll get to that uh, Bitcoin payment module. All right, so that's price, and we're now tracking against Ethereum because it's on the it's on the it's on the on the rise. Uh, BDC is on the way out, so we've got to be ahead of the game there. All right, next one we got the transaction count, which has been 
still kind of flash, but it's it's showing a bit of signs of life this week. There was a bit bit of a rise, 30k, 35k transactions. This definitely seems to be the hard floor of the actual utility of Bitcoin and Cash. So I'm I'm loving that. And on the next slide, then we've got the um, the cent USD as well too, which has has hit a nice and a, a real nice low again. So. I, I, I'm kind of waiting around to see a, a, a day where the descent in USD is just flat for three days, a week, something like that, where it's just mega low and to, so that I can go and say, I'm going to start predicting that this was actually the bottom. But I, as time goes on, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more, a little bit more bullish. Right? When you look at this chart, do you not already see a flat line? Well, obviously, there's <laughs> BCH is the flat line. We're going nowhere. I'm talking about the BDC. Okay. I want to see that. I'm talking, uh, yeah, look, like this period here, right? You see in June 2022, where it was just a little bit lower. It was in the yeah. whatever, 20 billion range. And now it's been bouncing around in the 50 to 75 range. I want to see another period like June 2022 happen right here for a week or two weeks, maybe. And then I would be more likely to say, look, okay, that's it. We've hit the bottom. Whoever has sold has sold. And uh, we're going to just slowly, you know, start the very slow ascent up into the next uh, hype in uh, 18 months or whatever, right? But you never want to predict the bull market too early. You always want to be surprised that the bull market has started rather than starting your hopium too early, right? So, Did we talk about like that period in the cent USD for Bitcoin on this podcast or... Like has yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, we, we check this in on this every episode, but I'm I'm 100 percent sure that I didn't say yeah, yeah. It's it's this is the bottom, blah blah blah. Because I I knew I knew I said like no no, it, it hasn't got there, right? I mean like like April May looks like a pretty interesting kind of growth, and then to see it just like fall off. What was go- so what was sharp, going on like, in that time? Yeah, yeah was that. Was that I can't remember. I'm sure we talked about it at the time, but it wasn't it something like Michael Saylor was dumping, or there, it, it wasn't it wasn't that, but it was it was something like that. There was some reason behind it, some sort of big corporate uh, moves. Maybe the price was really starting to dip off as everyone realized. Maybe that was when we went under 20k. That feels like too too far back. I don't know. We're not getting any help from the chat either. I, I don't know what it was, but. Whatever, go back and listen to the April and May episodes. And I'm sure we've got top tier analysis of it at that time. So <laughs> that's ancient history now. All right, today, let's talk about recent history. Today is the fifth day, the fifth anniversary of Bitcoin Cash being an independent uh, currency from Bitcoin BDC. And as Bitcoin Payment Module correctly points out in the chat, uh people shouldn't support it as the beginning of bch they shouldn't celebrate it in that way and i don't uh i am very clear that the birthday of of bitcoin and bch is clearly in january 2009 and it doesn't make sense that we would have transactions in our blockchain before the like the first birthday that makes no sense at all uh so it's clearly you know has its origins in 2009 but nevertheless i think it is still quite an important thing as a sort of an independence day People have talked about it or a fork day. It, it kind of really drives home the point, I think. And it will be, it's hard for the community to get sidetracked into the same problem again, as long as we remember 
both the original creation of Bitcoin and then the fact that we had to win, you know, have a have a civil war to to reestablish that, right? If you don't reinforce something over time, it gradually gets watered down and, and fades away. So that's kind of how I take it. I don't know. How do you how do you see it? So I think that this kind of celebration will water down and fade away. Uh, but I think it'll take a while. I think the people that are like, I think you're going to end up with just like two different types of people. You have people who obsess over what a certain coin that they're going to use and, and they take this like more technical and deep interest in it. And they're going to participate in this kind of thing. But I don't think the majority of people are going to give a damn. So, and that's not a bad thing. I do think that the framing from, like, as, like, a birthday mostly came from, like, um, less technically involved people that were still excited and still wanted to do some kind of marketing and share things on Twitter and Reddit. So I'm not going to... Like, it's one of those things I appreciate the sentiment, even if even if you want to be like, well, actually, uh, I get what they're going for, and I'm not going to give them, give them shit for it. Yeah, whether it's an anniversary or a birthday, it's it's a bit in the, in the weeds. I, yeah. I agree with you that as time goes on, especially if BCH expands more, there will be more sort of people kind of at, at the fringe, if you want to look at it that way, but it will be like a very big fringe if you if you think of it like as expanding concentric circles who won't give a crap about all this stuff right they just want to pay and they just pay and they know that bch is the one that works and that everybody accepts and so that's what they do right but nevertheless i think it's important for the people who are more involved to preserve that culture and you don't need to have everybody preserve it but it's nice to have it as the most involved people because at the same time as the majority of people might not um, might not be so involved in the decision making day to day. So if they don't remember the exact history and the mistakes that were made, they're more just going to go along with the crowd. The people who need to remember and who need to be vigilant, uh, obviously, ideally would be everyone. But uh, in the g- generic case, it's probably going to be the, the people who are most involved, right? So um, anyway, listeners to this show can be part of that category for sure so because it is august the first uh i took a look at the august the first episode i don't think it, maybe it wasn't even august the first but the bch day episode we did last year one year ago and uh obviously it's the first time we're able to do that and it's kind of amazing to see what was being thought about at that time and you were actually the guest on that episode uh quite sort of coincidentally i think it might have been after this that you started just producing the show all the time actually but at that time uh, to give people a bit of a time capsule bitcoin cash was 550 dollars. the bdc bch ratio was 72.5 and we were number 12 on coin market cap and i was in that episode i was joking about oh, the price is going back up, even though I'm predicting a huge doom and gloom scenario for crypto. So hopefully I don't look like an idiot in a year's time where we just rock it back off. So um, I'm, I'm taking that as a win. Definitely got that uh, right. But it was super interesting to take a look at what 
what we were talking about. So there was a little bit of talk about how the 2021 hard fork upgrade had gone really smoothly. This year it was just sort of expected, but I think that was the first one after the eCash fork. So the fact that it went smooth and there was no problems was a bigger deal. Uh, there was a bit of chat about maximalism with B, you know, uh, BCH maximalism or people being involved in specific coins, which is quite ironic because in this current week, uh, we're getting to a point of seeing BTC maximalism really starting to run into some grief after a couple of years of sort of being quite the, quite the narrative. Smart BCH had just been released uh, at that time one year ago and now that's kind of mirrored in coinflex uh and the problems obviously we've we've had with that for for better and for worse tether was on cnbc they were promising that they were going to do audits which they didn't really deliver on uh to nobody's surprise i think but it's kind of interesting with all the problems we've seen with stable coins and the change in narrative around that and elon musk was in the news with talking about BDC with Kathy Wood and Jack Dorsey and kind of hinting a bit at at big blocks, which as we're going to see as well today, that also has kind of come apart a bit at the scene. So it was really interesting to me to see that basically all the things that were on the menu one year ago, whether it was inside BCH or outside, one year later have basically fallen flat. Like none of these big narratives about, oh, Ted is going to do an audit and be fine. Elon was loving BDC. Smart BCH is going to kick off. Maximalism is still the best. All one That's what it, all it takes is one year and the world has moved on. And none of those things really played out for the better. Uh, did you did you take anything out of that very consistent pattern across those, those topics? Mm, it's so weird that I never considered that nothing really came to fruition from any of that. Like it, it didn't even cross my mind. Um, and it's also interesting, like, uh, just on a, as like a, a personal note, I was so much more skeptical about maximalism then than I am now. I, and like, <laughs> maybe there's just this little, uh, piece of contrarian personality in me, right? BTC maximalism is dying. I was skeptically... Uh, I was skeptical of maximalism then, and now I'm becoming more of a Bitcoin Cash maximalist. Um, I do think like the 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 smoothness of upgrading and the chip process has been fantastic. Coinflex blowing up in our faces is, I mean, it's it's like a drama show for me now. Again, uh, speaking from a place of privilege where I did not have money in CoinFlex. I, I feel bad for the people that did, but I am over it, right? So it, it's not, <laughs> has nothing to do with the network. Uh, but funny to me a little bit that all the chats are like, God damn it, CoinFlex. Anyway, I get why, but uh, I don't even tether. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't know, man. Elon, <laughs> Elon's a wild card still in my mind. Um, like, I think 
He just needs a particularly boring weekend and he can go back to the same rambunctious shit. Um, what's Jack doing now? The Web 5 Good stuff, question. right? Yeah, that's right. He came out with his big Web 5 and he's been a big proponent of the whole we're going to build stuff on top of Bitcoin, which is it's kind of funny that this whole we're going to build stuff on top of Bitcoin BTC type of story has been going on now since literally since before the fork. And we're now, what, five years later or up to six or seven years because it was certainly started earlier. And like what has really come out of that? Okay, Lightning Network a little bit, but sort of not. Whereas Bitcoin Cash in one year has both built and then screwed up smart BCH, right? (laughs) So uh, it really goes to show the change in pace of innovation and hopefully CoinFlex and all that uh, can get fixed and it will be like, yeah, Bitcoin Cash can have, there's always going to be some problems and trial by fire. The reason there hasn't been as much of that on BTC is because they haven't innovated that much. They haven't got much going. So there wasn't much to screw up, right? Uh, but, you know. That's that, fair. That, yeah. Isn't the... Not to be unsympathetic to the CoinFlex people, by the way. I mean, I know we've kind of been over this on the show. I agree with you. Like, I'm a little bit over it too. We will touch on the latest with that uh as well too but it seems like there's not much the majority of people can do about it so it's kind of just like you just got to move on um anyway okay yeah i'm all good <laughs> all right so that's that that's what it was one year ago and anybody can look at uh, episode 25 if you want to get a bit of a blast from the past and really compare now to then i, I was watching a, a, that episode last night and it, yeah it really really puts things in perspective uh actually as to how how far things have come in in one year so on the next slide it's about what of what are we at with this year right because what's the question is is what was what was not on that list right um like the caribbean adoption that hadn't come up at all smart bch was totally new but yeah the caribbean stuff hadn't come up at all all of the uh, Luna and all the stable coins and all that stuff blowing up and having problems, all the centralized services melting down and so forth. That was nowhere to be seen. Um, I'm trying to think what else that has been majorly going on this year. The podcast was a lot smaller. For instance, we probably had about half as many or a bit less YouTube subs and, and probably similar on most of the other metrics uh so it was much smaller and and in that time we've done 30 episodes right between 25 and 55 so probably not a bit a bit a bit better than once every fortnight which i I, i'm pretty pleased about that's kind of the pace i try to get them to about every every 10 days so every um fortnight and there was no uh double spend proofs um obviously we got another may hard fork in without any problems and bitcoin payment module says number one positive achievement for us was josh green of software verde was one of the very first people to use our payment module to purchase a beer at a bar using bch and our hardware at a meetup uh we might actually have to try and get a bitcoin payment module on the show uh sometime seems to be doing some some great work and We've been hearing, seeing like uh, videos of it in development, but it seems this kind of integrated 
um, payment terminals and hardware is actually starting to come together and start rolling out at Meetup. So that would be actually awesome to get a get a look at. Can I hijack this real quick? So yeah, go on. I mentioned a couple episodes ago, maybe like a month or two ago, that I was starting to work with a couple people on an open source Bitcoin Cash ATM project. A lot of things have happened since, right? So uh, none of them have been fantastic. There are a lot of issues with just shipping certain parts of this uh, project to me, and it's made it ridiculously expensive, especially with this market downturn. So if anyone wants to contribute, I have what I think is the majority of the code already done. We forked this from a pre-existing project. I just made a couple changes, swapped out some libraries, made it for Bitcoin Cash. So if anyone wants to uh, contribute to that, uh, reach out on Telegram. I can send you the link and we can hopefully get something going there. Because, yeah, I'm pretty sure most of the code is done. We just need to put the stuff together. And some of that we do need to figure out uh, the electronics for because we're, we are changing a few of the pieces. But, um, yeah, anyone that wants to contribute, it's uh, they're more than welcome and I would very much appreciate it because I've never worked on a project like an ATM. It's ridiculous. So that's it. That's all. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll put the links in the description and hopefully somebody can reach out and, and help you out there but it's a good it's a good point to bring up because i was thinking what what have what has been the story of, of bitcoin cash over the last five years not even the last year but over the last five years right that basically on the downside there's been three forks and you can kind of call it four if you count coin flex it's like four major disasters so nearly one a year basically uh particularly with people losing you know money or the community being in strife having a split people leaving the coin in disgust all this stuff right there's been there's been a lot of trauma in that um in that five years but on the other hand despite that there has been a bunch of good work done to avoid those problems for the next five i think so the community has established an independent brand you have to remember at the time of the fork it was not known like what's the ticker going to be are we going to be listed on all the exchanges okay we had the orange logo and then the orange logo with the wings and then changing the direction of the b and then swapping to green and getting rid of the wing all that took time and effort and community sort of decision making and momentum to get changed there's now the chip process the community has its own narratives they're not all sitting around wondering about what's going on in bdc so much anymore the discussion forums obviously everything was heavily censored at that time everyone was in disarray with uh our bitcoin banning people and so on and so forth now you've got this show you've got the bch hangouts you've got tons of telegram groups you've got our bdc and our bitcoin cash you've got all, all that stuff right uh and there's been a bunch of tech upgrades at the same time like scaling has been improving so despite all of the chaos a lot of stuff has has got done and i think particularly in this last year like you, with your atm project i've seen a lot of emerging projects right and they haven't necessarily delivered a huge you know payoff just yet but in my observation in the community you can see loads of people who kind of come out of the woodwork who are starting to spin up all these projects and ideas there is a sense to me at least and despite the price decline, that we're attracting people who are 
serious about the project and who are committed and are, are bought into the vision and are going to stick around, right? Like uh, Fiendish Crypto is a great example. We've seen Callisti, maybe Bitcoin Payment Module, uh, Bitcoin Jason. A lot of these people who maybe they've been involved a little bit longer. I'm not saying that they've only been around for one year, but in that last year, you can really see these these projects starting to to bubble away and and build up. Do you do you agree with that? Absolutely. Uh, I think not to throw anyone under the bus or undermine anyone, but I think of the names you've mentioned, like Aaron from Bitcoin Payment Module and Bitcoin Jason have been top tier people like as like as far as like just getting stuff out and and driving the excitement and showing the like benefits features just cool things that you can do with it um fantastic and just aside from that i don't know if uh hello bitcoin jason nice to see you uh um uh mark and ryan too like i was gonna say yeah yeah. yeah, and yeah. and Sunny. Oh my God, I can't believe. Yeah, fantastic. Those and and they're all folks that I've noticed definitely show up and be much more vocal in the past year. And some of the smart BCH people as well, like uh, the Misswap team, the Block NG team. Well, um, uh, Kazumi has been around for a while pre Smart BCH, so I'm massive shout out to her. She's she is a a good asset i think i haven't i don't know her personally but i what she puts out fantastic yeah exactly and we've just had such a great run i think of of yeah people joining the community and being prepared to to build two dick pieces and us yeah i mean to a certain extent i mean i never had any doubts that i we wouldn't be sitting here in a year's time but uh, you know, from the outside, you don't know that, right? You don't know whether I'm going to just, oh, yeah, the price has gone down another 30%. <laughs> Let me just give up. Like, that, that's obviously possible. You can't, there's no way to prove that except to actually deliver and do it. Uh, so, and I think the key aspect to a lot of this stuff is how unfunded a lot of it is as well too. Bitcoin Cash is not a scene where millions of dollars of VC money is going into, th- if there's, there's very little funding for anyone. People are just doing it on their own dollar or with their own resources or with money that they scrape together from the community or maybe a flip starter here and there, right? But even then, that's still money that's coming from the community. It's not VCs. Things are not getting bought out by big money. And as a result, money is not being squandered for the most part. I mean, maybe the CoinFlex disaster is a bit of an exception. But in general, people are pretty savvy with how they're using their money because that don't have a lot of it to splash around and a lot of the uh you know the projects the infrastructure and so on is not going to be owned or controlled or have interests behind it that are going to want to take things in a different direction other than what's good for the community in the coming years uh so i think that's pretty critical as well too and then so the question becomes that was the last five years what are we looking for in the next five years as a result of all these learnings and disasters and so on. I think for me, clearly we want to avoid any more forks and hopefully any more disasters. If we can sort out the CoinFlex one, then hopefully that can be the last one. At the, if there's got to be like, it was already 
a, a lower tier of disaster, basically. That a, a, a whole chain split was a bigger problem than CoinFlex. So CoinFlex, even as bad as it has been, is still m- m- trending in the right direction, basically. And if we can get another, I'm sure there will still be problems. Obviously, there's never not going to be problems, right? But if things start getting localized down to smaller sort of companies or individual disagreements or problems in the scene, as opposed to the whole direction of the the coin, then that's going to be massive because given five years of momentum without those things, like we've done pretty good with five years with those problems. So I can see that would be huge. Uh, I want to see some more attention onto bch the marketing now that the central stuff is starting to settle down and obviously we're going to be part of that hopefully but uh, other people as well too finding ways to break through the the narrative and i think as btc is dying that that's kind of happening um as it is proof of concept in the caribbean if we can really get some legal tender laws going there or if adoption can really go viral, maybe with a bit of a rising price, that could be huge. And finally, just some consumer apps. I want to see a couple of things really just take off, sort of like the MetaMask Ethereum style of things. So, yeah, that's why that's why I think is really uh, quite important. And I'm just going to quickly uh, swap my internet out because it's being a bit laggy here. But uh, yeah, what 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 do you think? What what are we going to need in the next five years? All right. Well, to hop on that last point, I very much agree we need more viral consumer apps and hijack this one, too. There was a project that I uh, contributed to a while ago, like uh, I think a year, year and a couple months ago, um, where they were doing a drop-in plugins for Minecraft where it would give users a wallet. Um, the way that that was set up was a custodial solution, but... Like, Minecraft is massive. Not just in, like, kids, although it is, but, like, so many of these, uh, like, just uh, YouTube celebrity folks. Oh, we've lost Jeremy. Hello, welcome to... Oh, there we go. <laughs> so if anyone wants to contribute to that, I'll also send a link there. That'd be fantastic. I just want to make it non-custodial. Like, the node operator shouldn't be able to take everyone's funds. Um, Marketing, although I think the organic marketing is probably the best. It makes it uh, unavoidable. Yeah, I want to see more consumer apps for sure, especially with games and stuff. Uh, And I think we would... Like, that would help marketing. And... uh, because you'd get like YouTubers who play those games who are like, yeah, I want to use this this mod pack or something. And then all of a sudden you have 100,000 fucking 12-year-olds who are like, oh, what's this about? Yeah, yeah. it's just money, bro. Man, that was a fantastic ad. We, I want to see more of those in the next five years. Someone put that in the Super Bowl. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Well, we called out the Super Bowl for having all this uh, hype about, oh, crypto is the future and nobody did an ad of, here's me paying with crypto, right? That It's money, bro, would have been killer. People would have been loving it. And the funny thing is that now crypto, the price has crashed since that Super Bowl. And I saw it. The people, FTX, are still running that ad of Larry David saying, uh, uh, 
crypto is like not going to work like the wheel and the fork and whatever and just the chat is just everybody saying larry was right and yeah well i mean in the end he's probably not going to be but as it stands now yeah he was right and that was just such a stupid gimmick to be so much fomo don't miss out you're an idiot if you're gonna miss out kind of thing so that's that's five years well here we go so this is another thing we're gonna see in the next five years is a lot more inflation presumably so uk uh in the uk true inflation who are sort of a non-government independent uh, i guess assessor of inflation have announced that in the uk inflation is at 13.72 percent so this is just to keep in mind that one year ago even i mean i'm sure we were saying that inflation was going to be increasing but even one year ago it was two percent inflation that's the target blah 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 and like it's now at 14 percent. it's gone up 7x what everybody thought was uh the standard acceptable range or whatever at that like for the last 10 years or whatever it's been uh two percent inflation that's been the narrative which is now finally blowing apart so that's 10 percent higher than it was a year ago and it's 68 percent higher than the office for national statistics in the uk who said that it was 8.2%. So that's already ridiculously high, uh, but uh, they're still underestimating it, of course. And I think to me, it really just shows that even the fact that these truflation people, I don't, I don't know much about what they're doing. All I know is I found them on Twitter and I thought, yeah, great. These They're doing a really professional job seemingly, but people need to get this analysis from somewhere that is in the government because everybody knows that the government numbers are so manipulated. And so changing the definition of recession. Yeah, exactly. It's been too, it's just like, yeah, the, the definition of a vaccine that got changed. And then it was the definition of, uh, two quarters of negative GDP. That's a recession. That's been the way it's been for however long now, suddenly that's at issue. And just these kind of weird word games and manipulate. It's so blatant. It's so blatant. How can people not see this? I think they can see it, to be honest. I think people. I've been, uh, I've been saying this for months. I think at this point, they are literally just pissing in our faces, going, we're going to do it because no one stopped us, bitch. Like, do something about it. Until then, you're peasants. Know your place. It is pretty blatant, Yeah, I think. And, and well, that's something we can predict for next, uh, next year's BCH day. Inflation is going to be higher. I think that's my prediction right what are we at now 14 percent according to the real talk stats eight percent according to the government stats yeah i would probably put a bit of bch on the fact that in well i am i guess by owning bch that in a year's time both of those numbers are going to be higher both the, in, the official and the unofficial number and people just can't what deny it really you just see it around you in your everyday like it doesn't really matter what the tv says if people can see in their own bank account that the money is not going as far or they can't afford to get their kid a a teddy this week or whatever right it's as simple as that what's the current uh like bch inflation rate it's uh 1.7 or 1.8 percent i think off the top of my head so it was more than that no 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 we're already uh, Bitcoin, uh, both BTC and BCH, it's already down to 
It's like 1.6%. We've already got 19 million coins out, more than 19 million. And uh, the last two million are going to tail off over the next, whatever it is, 120 yeah. years or 100 years. But it's it goes from, it's a 2% for another year or two. And then, yeah, it's dropping down to in 2024 to under 1%, I think. Okay. Cool. That's gonna be that's gonna be huge though. That halvening is gonna be freaking massive. If we get another year, like we already have, inflation's already a mainstream story. If we get another year of mega inflation and then crypto halvening hype starts up, it's gonna be monster, right? It has to be. Yeah. Uh kind of tangential. How do you think that people's career habits will change? Because if people are already encouraged to find a new job every two years to beat wage stagnation, then an inc- uh, an increasing inflation rate would make it so that they'd seek more jobs faster, right? I don't think so. I think the opposite. I think when it's a high inflation environment, things become more uncertain. So you so seek people stability. Are- yeah, people are going to be less willing to take risks. Instead, they're just going to sort of tighten their belts a little bit. Of course, at a certain point, that will become unfeasible and the pressure is going to ramp up on employers to uh, keep providing pay increases, which are going to get passed on to consumers, which the merry-go-round <laughs> goes around and around and everybody gets impacted, right? Mm. But I think that that's what I would see happening. I would see people being uh, more conservative in their career choice changes and then on top of that there's going to be less people in the workforce overall because if people drop out or they you know they have problems or whatever there's been so many government programs and stuff trying to cover these these changes i guess it it depends where you are what the situation is etc right but like we were talking about hayden otto a couple weeks ago and he was saying about in australia and they had all these different programs right they had people are just that's right exactly and so the, the, you can even see it's more in the news as well too. Just the government says, oh, we're going to print this money or we're going to give these handouts to fight inflation. It's like dumping <laughs> gasoline on the fire. It's so stupid. But of course, anybody who's a pleb and doesn't figure it out, well, they're going to just swallow that, but they're going to take the money. And the people who do figure it out are going to take the money anyway because why would you not, right? Man, uh, when COVID first hit, we were doing like, uh, it was called CERB, CERB, so it was the COVID Emergency Relief Benefit, and it was a completely like honor system thing when they they released it, so anyone could sign up, and you would get, I think it was $2,000, I can't remember if that was every month or every two weeks, but it was a decent amount amount it was more than you were you would make if you got paid minimum wage so the people that were making minimum wage which is a significant amount of the workforce in my province left their jobs and then uh because such a large amount of people uh dishonorably claimed to serve they started they released a some kind of uh i don't know some some bill passed where it was like uh, essentially gives them authority to collect or stop like hold put a freeze on your bank account collect your pay all this stuff Um, but if you don't acknowledge that you owe the debt 
for six years, and this isn't just like a statute of limitations thing. This is written into the law. If you just don't acknowledge it ever, you don't owe that debt. So this feels like one of those weird collections agencies things where it's like, are you so-and-so? Who's asking? Yeah. <laughs> it just seems I mean, so ridiculous. Like It's like a fifth grade game. Like children could have <laughs> figured out a better system than this. That's right. And not to mention the fact that in these kind of scenarios, when you have those loopholes, yeah, like I was saying, people are just going to gonna jump jump through them and you're just throwing gasoline on the fire and you have to pay the enforcement cost is also a cost yeah so the government has to not only worry about handing out all this cash to everybody but chasing around everybody to see whether they were doing it right or not that's also a cost and adding to the inflation and the and the problems bitcoin jason says businesses here are struggling to retain staff in australia no doubt and i think that's going to happen more and more everywhere it's just apathy is going to be on the rise among the workforce particularly young people i was reading an article the other day about in china they have um they had lying lying flat right which is i can't remember the chinese name tongue ping or something like that and it's uh basically people just getting to this kind of doomer point of just what what the hell is the point of all this i can't make any economic headway china obviously has massively harsh harsh lockdowns and on top of that they have problems with their demographics with so many young people and not too many old people that they need to support which is compounded by the uh, culture in china where like everywhere in the world you're supposed to sort of look after your parents but that's very very strongly embedded in china right and so people are in position where they can't do that and they feel like a failure and then you have demographic problems where you have too many men and not enough women so people kind of a can't really couple up because of the one child policy and other cultural issues around that right so and all this stuff is just adding up onto the young people just doing this thing called lying flat where they're just like look i'm just gonna rot on the couch basically and there's no point really doing anything and once they've got to that point of nihilism who's going to motivate them to do anything nobody and it's got it's escalated even further with this other thing i can't I, I can't remember the chinese name for it but it's basically called let it rot which is even a step further which is like i just generally have just opted out i don't care what you threaten me with like just put me in jail or something because if i don't care about getting fit or having a house or having any money or a career or like if i don't care about anything there's nothing you can threaten me with so good luck basically I mean, that's going to be the most extreme case, right? That's got to be... not so authoritarian, but... Yeah, that's got to be comforting to some extent. But I hope that they at least rot on their politician's couch, not their own, not their parents. Like, go make it uncomfortable for someone. That's a hard thing to sell. That's a hard sell in China, especially. Yeah, because it's that's so. Fair. I mean, we saw how things worked out in... Uh, in Canada, it didn't, you know, it wasn't even that great there, let alone in China. If you just protesting, yeah, but... the government just comes out with the tanks straight away. There's no negotiating. It's just, <laughs> yeah, I will say Canadians did a pretty good job of making people uncomfortable, though. It's like yeah. two months. Yeah, yeah. They do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was very, very impressive. And certainly it was ironic uh, or 
interesting in a sense that the the process came from the truckers right who managed all the logistics of course they did a great job of the logistics of the protesting right it wasn't like a flash in the pan thing they were they were dug in but yeah anyway all that is to say i think that's that's the extreme end of the wedge but i predict a similar thing i saw some stats the other day it was something like they did a survey of people who what do they think about the economy and it was something like people in the age bracket 18 to 29 one percent of them said it was going zero percent said excellent on a scale of five options zero percent said excellent one percent said good uh you know 29 percent or something said medium a bunch said bad and a lot said very bad right it was literally like one percent of young people uh i mean i'm in that category you're in that category where i'm under 30 right and that's the that's that's just the sentiment is it's clearly not and this is not people who are economic geniuses or have had time to see the world go in several cycles this is a generation that has grown up either with or in the aftermath of the 2008 recession etc etc people just know that it's shit's bad everybody's you know playing on their phone or whatever instead of going out getting a job and having a good time and they know that that's not right well the phone is the good time right it's the that's right the dopamine fix but but people know that people it's i think people have it the wrong way around like older people can sometimes have this perspective like young people are just addicted to their phones because it's addictive and they're you know stupid burnouts or whatever but i'd say it's the other way around young people just well not not to mention any lockdowns or anything but going outside is not that great of a, an option in Dude, a lot of cases a lot of places right i saw a meme yesterday that was like old people complaining why don't the kids go outside anymore and then it was like the outside they created and it was concrete and parking lots and fucking city shit yeah exactly pollution in china for instance yeah it's just ridiculous um bitcoin payment module also just chipping in that places just can't find stuff yeah all the food courts and whatever young people just don't give a shit and it's it's that's well, just no, what no, that's no, just no. what's happened it's not just that 10 bucks an hour isn't gonna cut it well not in an inflation with so much uh yeah inflation like yeah it's just not gonna minimum wage is not gonna keep up with whatever is actually feasible and yeah, those companies are not necessarily going to jack up prices. Anyway, that's that's a lot of an, an economic analysis. I think I've said my piece here. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's good. And I'm sure, I think the listeners will resonate with that segment, to be honest. I think it'll be interesting in a year's time to see where things are at. But it's pretty easy to bet on worse, basically. Um, all right, next one. Wait, wait, no, hold on. We can't oh, change on. slides yet. I have a question okay, about this right. last point. Uh, yeah, yeah. What do you mean disposable luxury? Oh, right. Okay. So I was going to say, like, is this high inflation? People have this narrative that in crypto is this big inflation hedge, right? Everybody's going to buy crypto to preserve their money from getting inflated away to shit, right? Uh, but the opposite has happened. As inflation has got higher, much to Peter Schiff's delight, crypto has done worse. And the reason which I'm not as surprised about, but a lot of people seem surprised about, was the fact that people were basically saving in BTC. It's not an essential thing to do. It's just kind of a luxury, right? People put some money in Bitcoin, like I'm going to be rich in 10 years, store of value, whatever, right? And then once uh, hard times start hitting, what's the first thing they do? Do they uh, look at, oh man. They sell their children. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
that's certainly the way some people treat their Bitcoin hodling stash, right? Is they just they just get rid of them. Why? Because the reality is they've got to pay their bills. So they're looking at their assets and they're thinking, I don't have much cash. Oh, I've got this Bitcoin sitting around. It's kind of done poorly. And I don't have the time to wait around for 10 years to hopefully one day be rich. I've got to pay my bills now. So I'm going to sell off my crypto. And if you've been gambling in all these crappy as coins dogecoin or whatever maybe you get a stimulus check you're feeling good you throw it in dogecoin a couple of months later you're like damn my bank account's pretty empty and i can't be bothered to get a job or there aren't jobs or whatever i'm just going to sell off all this crypto so it kind of has to go past a point of complete nihilism before crypto benefits from an inflationary narrative that's my that's my you think opinion. people have to get like like very desperate yeah, well, that's right. And that's where uh, uh, coins that you can pay with will come into their own because people will oh. get to the point of just, holy shit, I, I cannot leave my money, any money I have, like the like in Argentina or in Venezuela or uh, Turkey or whatever, when things are hyperinflating, things have to get pretty bad with the hyperinflating currency before the next best alternative becomes better because it's not about... If like a one-to-one comparison, is this better? Because if so, crypto could probably already win today. The cost, the switching cost and people's inbuilt sort of laziness or unwillingness to try new things means that it has to be very painful to not make a change before people will make a change. It can't merely be better to switch. It has to be currently painful, right? That's my theory. That's just the reality. Yeah, I agree. But that is so black-pilled. Like, I don't want to accept it because the amount of suffering that humans will have to go through before they're like, well, maybe I should try this other thing is ridiculous. You have people now going, hey, this is an option. If you just give it a shot, then the amount of suffering that could be uh, maneuvered. Yeah. Well, not even alleviated. Not just not any more. Yeah. Suffering coming to us right yeah and of course of course but it doesn't matter i mean you and i are here we're shouting to the high heavens about this every week even the whole crypto community is basically and there's still loads of people being like haha larry david was right you know crypto's a scam right <laughs> well that is and... pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> what, what what are we gonna do about it? can we can we get the message out there any faster we're, we're, we're doing what we can it's just people have to wake this is something that i've learned in my own life and just i think in general people can relate to it's, it doesn't like somebody can it's a brick wall it's just talking to a brick wall trying to tell somebody something who doesn't want to understand or who can't get it or who the the stars haven't aligned in their universe for them to see the pattern that you are seeing or whatever it is you're just talking to a brick wall and you can be talking to them for years literally even as every bit of evidence proves you right all the way along they're not going to listen but then one day things are going to get bad enough for them that suddenly it's like you were right. But of course, are they going to say, "Oh, you were right"? I mean, if they're, uh, it's very positive. Like you should, you should value highly people who come to you and say, "Look, you were right," and you should try and be that person as well yourself. When you're wrong and you realize after two years or whatever, you should go to whoever was telling you and say, "Look, you were totally right. I'm ready to listen. Tell me, like I'm listening. Tell me now." right you should proactively be that person uh because 
the majority of the time people even by the time they realize they were wrong they just try and forget about it you know sweep it under the rug and and that's that right so you, you should look out for that i think on both sides of the equation people who come to you and say i'm ready to listen you should jump on that and also when it's your turn because it happens to everybody we're all wrong about some stuff some of the time and somebody is telling us like the red warning lights are going off for them you got you got to you got to acknowledge that when once once you come around to seeing it their way basically all right next slide that's 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 got to be enough about inflation oh here we go classic all right tesla sold 75 percent of its btc so this was about i don't know a week or two ago uh elon after much fanfare one year ago buying the bitcoin and it's all going to be great we're going to the moon there was all this story about oh uh it's going to create corporate fomo right the same as el salvador el salvador's bought in now every other you know country up the list is slowly going to start piling in because they don't want to be the last ones left out well in both of those cases it just hasn't happened yeah it was so much hype that uh oh, every apple will be next and yada 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 complete lies all of it uh, which I think we correctly predicted uh, on this show. So things have been sold at a loss. So it turns out he cashed out 75% of his BTC in his filings, you know, quarterly earnings report or whatever for 963 million. And he has 218 million left. So he bought in for 1.5 billion. So roughly a $300 million loss locked in so far i don't think we don't know the exact uh price that they bought in and everything but that's roughly the numbers right so they've lost about 300 million out of 1.5 um billion what's that about 20 percent uh yeah 20 percent. so that's obviously not a good return could have been worse i mean <laughs> they could have lost a lot more definitely if they were naively buying it at the top they definitely could have lost more but on the other hand it's it's like okay you've taken the l there and uh elon was kind of saying well i didn't sell any dogecoin but i don't think he had any in tesla to sell anyway as far as i was aware that tesla only had the bdc and then he himself had doge and ethereum and bdc so whatever he's up to himself is is not going to come out in the SEC filings and stuff. So and plus he's half busy at the moment trying to battle away with Twitter over these stocks. So I you know, it's just kind of like we're just taking the L here, guys. Like this is it was all a lie. Yet again, BDC, store of value, complete lie. Medium of exchange, that didn't work out. They stopped accepting it for payments. Lightning network didn't matter, complete garbage. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there could be a stronger case to the world that Bitcoin BDC is not the one, uh, but they're going to have to figure that out in their own time, basically. Is there ever a time where you're like, like, and and I'm not giving you shit. I'm not trolling or anything. I'm just curious. Like, do you ever get, even if it's just like an, uh, a split second where you're like, BTC is shit and BCH came from shit. What are we doing? Like, why are we using a shitty... But then again, no. Okay, I yeah. don't know. Not really. I mean, if I was, I don't know. Maybe some people have the. I I, I guess I just I, I use the coin. That's 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 what it comes down to. Yeah. Is that 
I make payments in BCH and it works. It's fine. It's it's great. It's actually super easy with people that are anonymous on the internet that I've never met and I don't know anything about. Just the once you have two people who understand, okay, here's the history, here's blah blah blah. BCH is the real Bitcoin. Here's how you hold on to your private keys. Here's how an address works, etc. Like that's a lot of uh foundational work but as soon as you have two people over that hurdle it is seamless it is no problems it's the easiest thing in the world and so i guess that never makes me think what are we doing here it's not going to work out um yeah i don't know i don't know if i would ever like i i don't oh hey thanks for the follow we just got one of those alerts that came through that's that's oh, let's wild. go. Yeah. <laughs> First one. Um, oh, shit. Um, yeah, I don't think I would ever go so far as to be like, uh, where are we going with this? Or like, yeah, it's just a, like, I think there's something about the way that the network work, works that breeds that some kind of maximalism. And the more I'm involved, the more I think that. Because I think... Well, maybe I'm also just being a little more arrogant in experience, right? But like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to think about this more. Just well, to... every every coin is like that in the sense that people who are down the BTC rabbit hole, you cannot convince them. There's nothing you can do. It's the same thing as I was saying before. And because somebody might be convinced because they are plugged into the certain community, right? So whatever lightning network people like Brian Harrington, right. That we talked to, it was like, you know, he, he didn't, nothing, nothing was really seeping through the cracks in the wall there. I was wondering if we we're going to find something like, it's like Bitcoin's the best. And the reason that we don't like Bitcoin from his perspective was because we tried it six years ago when the tools were bad and that now the tools are better. And if we tried it now, we would be blown away. That's got tools, nothing to do with it. If by tools he meant developers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe. But it, it was like none of the none of the you know, if somebody's just looking at something through a certain um angle, a certain lens, then it doesn't even occur to them like what is else is in that same field of vision let alone the fact to use a metaphor that you, you don't know what's you can't see behind you basically is the idea. So even if, if somebody has blinkers on and they're looking at a certain thing, getting them to widen those blinkers even a little bit is already an uphill battle, let alone getting to kind of 180 degree vision of looking in front, let alone the idea that there is something behind them that they can't see. They can't perceive that. Right. That's, that's kind of the, difficulty and so people who are heavily enmeshed in ethereum right are like ethereum is the king this is going to pop off the merge is going to rocket us past bitcoin btc and it might in fact i think that's probably going to happen at some point right but if you say to them like have you bought a sandwich with with ethereum (laughs) ever they will they will have no answer except it's ultrasound money and don't worry about that scaling the merge whatever and you're just kind of like the, the way I was thinking about it actually the other day was this idea, right, that the difference between the Bitcoin BTC and the Bitcoin BCH community is the time frame. The Bitcoin BCH community is at the left and right of the bell curve, right, where they think 
can I use this today? Yes. And will this be good in 15 years? Yes. And that's the two timeframes they're looking at. It's working now. And is it going to work when it goes massive? Yes. Right. And they're not so much worried about the middle. Bitcoin BBC people are the opposite. They think, is this working now? Well, not really. Is it going to work in three to five years or whatever? Yeah, yeah, we're going to fix up lightning. It's going to be killer. Uh, everyone's going to get on board with the network effect, et cetera, et cetera. And then they're not thinking, well, what about in 20 years once the entire planet is onboarded? Is this going to fly? They blanked out on that, right? So that's that's the difference. Bitcoin BCH people are like, it works now and it's going to work at planetary scale. And that's what we care about. And then BDC people are like, it's, it's we're make we're gonna make it work for a few people soon. So that's kind of what their vision is. So that's why they can't understand the BDC the BCH side at all. Because if you say to them it's not working today, then they think no no we're get, we're making it work. It's improving. It's moving in the right direction. And if you say to them it's not going to work at planetary scale, they say yeah, but don't worry, the network effect's going to kick in and there'll be whatever you know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next next topic. We've got. Oh, oh yeah, here we go. Screenshot. Nice. This is a this is a classic. Uh, so we just had some news that Craig Wright has won in uh, inverted commas another legal case. I, I don't want to go too much into the details of all this because I certainly am not an expert in what's going on. But I think it was worth reading out that he was suing Peter McCormack uh, over the fact that Peter McCormack basically called him a fraud on his podcast a bunch of times, and. So Craig said, look, you called me a fraud in front of millions of people. That's defamation and sued him in the UK, I guess, because Peter is British uh, and Craig is, I think, living in the UK as well, too. So I guess that was the place to do it. Plus, the defamation laws in the UK are quite weak. So the judgment of all this came out. um, And here's what the the final conclusion was according to the judge quote for these reasons i conclude that a publication 16 meant that there were reasonable grounds for questioning or inquiring as to whether the claimant had fraudulently claimed to be satoshi this was defamatory at common law b mr mccormack is responsible for the republication of publication 16 by the posting of the recording on youtube c each of publications 1 to 10 and 12 to 16 caused serious harm to the reputation of dr wright D, however, because he advanced a deliberately false case and put forward deliberately false evidence until days before trial, he will receive recover only nominal damages. Accordingly, I shall enter judgment for Dr. Wright on the claim in the sum of one pound. I shall therefore invite written submission in light of this judgment on the question of injunctive or other relief and on costs, end quote. So basically what the judge is saying is, okay, I don't know what all these exhibits were, right? But presumably that's episodes of the podcast or clips or or whatever the hell, uh, whatever, you know, where he was calling him a fraud. The, 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 the judge is saying, okay, you did just basically call him a fraud like in the public and you maybe didn't necessarily have a bulletproof case for that. Like Peter McCormick, I know, dropped his truth defense, not because it wasn't viable, but just because it would have been too expensive for him to actually hire enough lawyers and you know hash it all out for another six months or whatever uh so basically the judge was like well okay on technical grounds i have to give the win to craig but the reality of the matter was that the judge also knew that craig was basically trying to run a scam 
because as he says, you've put forward a deliberately false case and you've also put in a lot of false evidence. So I'm going to give you the technical win while doing everything I can to make the point that basically you lost. <laughs> uh, that's how I take it. And uh, Peter McCormick said on Twitter afterwards that he was quite pleased about this result. And so I guess this final part about like Craig could be in a position to say, well, I need to get um, damn it. I need to get uh, legal costs basically that, okay, it's a one pound loss, but my legal fees were half a million dollars. So you owe me that because I had to sue you to get this like one pound or whatever. But it seemed like Peter McCormick's reaction was that he was pretty happy with the results. So clearly his lawyers felt like he was not going to be on the hook for legal costs, presumably. Right. Uh, and I mean, of course, as the chat is saying, Craig, um, Craig, this does nothing to prove that he's Satoshi, which he's always claiming the court cases are going to do when it's literally like if he wins, he still loses, basically. I mean, he might win on some weird technical legal ground or whatever, but it's always like this where the court is like, okay, well, you won one pound, good job, but also you're basically putting in false evidence. So we haven't found anything substantive in what you've put up. And Tudic Pete says on the fact that he also can't appeal. Apparently, if you win, you can't appeal. So that's kind of just closed off that avenue forever. Maybe that's another reason Peter McCormick is is happy. Do you have any thoughts about any of this? No one has caused more serious harm to the reputation of Dr. Wright than Dr. Wright. Also, it feels so fucking weird to call Craig doctor at all. <laughs> what? Well, he's he's got so many PhDs or degrees or whatever, right? So, got to put some respect on that name. <laughs> yeah. Well, just another proof, I guess, that uh, having pieces of paper doesn't necessarily make you uh, ultra intelligent or insightful, but... Wasn't, Just my opinion. Was there ever a point in time where we called Craig a liar and a fraud? Did we ever say the phrase, Craig Wright is a liar and a fraud? On this podcast? Yeah. Yeah, we have. Oh, yeah, okay. For sure. Okay. Or I have. I'm sure I have. But I know I did. Even in the uh, episode with Ryan uh, Giffen back when he first asked me about episode 15 or something uh yeah definitely i have but the different the difference is hopefully he just doesn't figure it out and sue us but <laughs> even if he does we've got such a small audience that was part of the case as far as i'm aware that basically peter mccormick had hundreds of thousands of twitter followers and blah 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 right so that's all like a part of it um so anyway i don't know maybe we need to be more worried about that if we blow up but whatever uh and i mean which is one other slight angle to this is the fact that uh, Peter McCormick has said on his show in passing that Roger Veer has funded some of his defense. So that's kind of a weird situation because Peter also is kind of after Roger a little bit in the sense that he thinks he's kind of scamming with Bcash and all that stuff. But on the other hand, he's kind of got to admit, okay, Roger's actually a pretty decent dude. And it also kind of plays into the fact that Roger and Craig at a certain point were on the same page with Big Block Bitcoin and blah, 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 blah. And so maybe Roger is willing to fund Peter's defense, not only because it's better for crypto as a whole if Craig just wastes his money uh, and doesn't get legal wins just by bullying people out, 
but on the other you know it's also a bit personal right <laughs> if he can fund peter to a victory then that's kind of uh a sucked in you know to to craig so i don't know i will say and i'm sure the audience knows this i don't like either of these dudes i recently watched mccormack uh go on richard hart's i don't know if it was a podcast or what it was but it was some of the most childish banter I had ever seen. And, like, I was kind of hoping for more. Was this a recent stream or was it the historical one? Because there's a classic one where Peter goes on Richard's stream and Richard is sort of prepared to prepared to debate. You know, he's geared up. It and was... Peter comes in and just says, you're a scammer about 500 right, times. Right, right after Giacomo. Uh, I don't know what it was after, but he basically he basically crashes the stream, yeah, and yeah. calls Richard Hardest Gamer a hundred times, and Richard's eventually like, "Well, you came on my stream, so how he didn't even send GTFI? the invite to Peter, like he had sent it yeah. to someone else, and yeah, ridiculous, like wormed his way in there or something, and yeah, I don't know. That was that was a few years ago though, but okay, uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it it is still just ridiculous that crypto is this strange industry right where a lot of it goes down on these weird like you call yourself a journalist dude you're just like (laughs) you're a scammer well yeah it's just it's just weird because even even when peter is right he has a hard time both deliberately and not deliberately kind of winning the argument basically because even if he's got the right end of the stick he won't necessarily have the the debating skills or the backing facts or whatever to really win the debate, especially against someone like Richard, yeah. who even though he's sometimes wrong, is a very good debater. Like he's whether there's a yeah, there's a big distinction which people need to understand. I'm sure everybody does understand between being right and being good at debating. You can be very good at debating even if you're often wrong, uh, and if you're good at debating, you can easily just basically bully out people who. Uh, even if they've got the right end of the stick, you're just better. So you can just shut them out and make them look like an idiot. And Richard is very good at that. And Peter is the opposite. He's not only is he wrong probably more often, he's also less good at debating. So Richard can just kind of shit on him in that way, even if Peter is right. So plus Peter himself was always talking about, I'm such a moron and I just have smart people on my podcast, which makes it even harder for him to, like go toe to toe with someone on on crypto or whatever i think he only does that because joe rogan is the largest podcast in the world and he frequently also says hey i'm a moron and then when joe gets shit he'll come back and be like well i'm saying i'm a moron and i've seen peter do the same kind of thing where he's like i don't claim to be a genius like no you're just covering your ass because you don't even want to put the work in to figure something out And we know this by evidence of him trying to do like a lightning node setup or a wallet or whatever the hell that was. Well, I think Peter, but it's interesting that you raise that point because I have seen Peter has said that he admires Joe Rogan a lot. It makes sense, right? Joe's got the biggest podcast. Peter's in podcasting. So he's obviously going to watch this out. And he said that he's watched Joe Rogan's show. He's taken notes. He's tried to learn how to be a better podcaster from. So maybe that was part of what he took away from it i i'm a little less harsh on him in the sense that i think yeah okay you can maybe say it's a defense mechanism but i think he also is sort of genuinely self-aware of i don't know things 
where where he falls apart then is he's very willing to say i need to trust somebody so i trusted these people who happen to be peter todd and adam back and whoever's in the bdc circle and therefore he just swallows all this stuff because not only can he not debate them he's also not willing to either host a discussion between them and somebody who will debate them or know enough to to contest it or he's not willing to even listen to yeah some, somebody like roger veer you know he could have roger on his show and he could say right i don't know enough to debate uh nick carter or whatever uh, nick carter is a bad example but uh i don't know whoever tone vase or something as if there haven't been enough of those debates already anyway but <laughs> like he could just look up a debate of tone vase and and uh roger and just see tone vase getting destroyed and then figure it out himself but no he's too much of a crowd follower i think anyway right. that's enough move from the clowns yeah, yeah 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 next <laughs> next one next one that's definitely enough about that oh more clowns <laughs> it's clown world mate clown world on twitter Everybody well not hayden that out. hayden's good but Mark. no hayden hayden's great he was yeah. on the show. so we had uh coin flex the latest again i put this kind of at the end i don't i agree with you like sucks for everyone who's involved i hope everyone gets their money back and i hope mark lamb figures out a solution but we do have to cover it here because it is relevant a lot of people are going to be interested but this coin flex stuff like i've kind of mentally moved on so hayden who we had on the show obviously had a uh, interview with Mark Lamb to find out what's going on at CoinFlex. CoinFlex have cut their staff and their costs by 50%, uh, you know, under under stress, obviously. They don't want to burn away all their runway on, on engineers. And they're supposedly going to have this vote that the locked 90% of coins, which I think people just want back as many of those coins as they can get, but instead they're going to have this weird situation of vote on whether that locked 90% can be converted into a combination of RVUSD, Flex coins, and CoinFlex equity, all of which seem pretty unappealing to me, to be honest, because the RVUSD is basically contingent on CoinFlex winning a lawsuit against Roger, who doesn't want to pay. So that remains to be seen and isn't going to be quick in any case. Uh, Flex coins, which aren't worth much if the whole of CoinFlex is insolvent, and CoinFlex equity, which is also not much worth much if the CoinFlex is insolvent, and you can't even sell it anywhere unless CoinFlex themselves make a market on their platform. Like it's all bad. Why would you want any of this stuff instead of just thirty percent of your coins back? I have no idea, but that's their that's their plan. And what they've said is, well, we're going to release our balance sheet so at least people know what the size of the hole is and stuff before they vote on this. Uh, proposal to do these conversions but they said that's going to be well in advance of the vote but on the other hand they also say locked balance trading is going to be enabled soon so we're going to get this vote and balance trading soon but we're also going to get the balance sheet well before that but we don't have the balance sheet right now so just none of it adds up it's just a it's just a mess uh, like obviously they're doing things at the speed or with the competency that they can, but yeah, it doesn't look that great. I got to be honest. The competency that they can seems like none. It's been a month. Why in the hell is this still an issue? Voting seems like a complete, like, uh, like the worst will happen, right? 
And they'll be like, well, the community voted for it. I thought this is what you wanted. It's your company. You mismanaged the funds. Take responsibility for it. Distribute the funds how you see fit. Again, it's your company. And then take the backlash for how you do that. Leaving it to a vote just seems like very weak. Trying to, like, pass the buck. I mean, I, I, I think that... It seems to me like, well, as far back as that initial stream where we did, where they said, okay, we're going to do this RVUSD or whatever. It just seems like if you and I were in charge of CoinFlex, I mean, this is easy for me to say, obviously. I'm not in that situation. If I were in charge of CoinFlex, I wouldn't have stolen any money. Well, yeah, even that. But even if we were in a bad situation, I think, from my perspective at least, the game plan would have been pretty fucking clear. It would have been get the lawyers in the room, first things first, Give the smart BCH coins out to Kui Wang or whatever. Even if that's a legally dodgy move or whatever, just fucking do it. Just give them back the money. Why? Because then you've solved... That's the good thing to do. That, well, it's a good thing to do, but you've solved like 80% of your problem right there. Okay, you're creating some problems with your other traders who are going to say, why did you give this money back? Wasn't it separate? But it's pretty clear that you have the choice between either you piss off the smart BCH community and you have to argue with them and they're pissed off because you lied to them and you said this was separate. And even if we fuck up, the funds are fine and they're all just allocated for you. So you've broken your own promises and you've fucked with them. Or the other option is you deal with the people, the depositors to the exchange who have a legal agreement with you and are mad that, well, why are some of these coins, you know, that we can't, we can't basically use them as part of our pot to repay us, right? But the majority of the people are actually not the depositors, it seems. The majority of people who are pissed are the smart BCH people. And on top of that, whatever assets are left, the 10 million is probably a minority share of that, basically. So you get rid of most of the problem with a small amount of money by just giving back smart BCH coins and letting letting the community power on. And then you're in the position of explaining to the cre- the other creditors oh look the smart bch coins were separate and you have a whole fucking free army of the community who will f- find documentation and screenshots and clips and whatever to back you up so your legal defense is going to be a piss take because you basically have a volunteer ar- you have the internet working on your side right it's like some the power you know, of every- weaponized autism you're gonna have rbdc surfacing up all this stuff to help you out instead you're in the opposite situation where you haven't really made any progress with the creditors except to kind of not get in further hot water with them but you're already in hot water with them anyway and you've pissed off the whole community and you've obviously got broken promises to that you're just it's just it's so stupid it seems to me obvious Obviously, I'm biased because that's the outcome I would prefer, right? But even even if I was one of the creditors, it seems logical to me that I would I would still come up with that logic and still think that that's what Mark Lamb should do, even if it was against my interest, right? That would be that would still be my opinion, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I, and I don't know why he, why he doesn't do that. To be I like I, originally, I had a little bit more uh sympathy for him but as time goes on i'm increasingly like he's he's too afraid it seems to me of getting sued basically by the creditors saying look you're the ceo and you just offloaded these coins which we were trying to recoup in a bankruptcy but he's going to have to deal with that either way 
So just dithering around, dragging the process out is not doing him any favors. And it's just, it's just creating him headaches in the meantime. Um, so like he's, he's in hot water either way. And at least from my perspective, obviously this is not the legal advice he's received or the risk assessment he's willing to take. It would, it's like a because you've also got to remember how time plays into this. The longer the smart BCH coins are in his custody, the more fucking pissed everybody gets. Whereas if from the start, he just dumped off the coins, then he would have, it's just obvious to me if you're in a problem if you're in a situation where you've got two burning fires and one is a small fire and one is a big fire but one is growing faster you obviously just put out the small like put out the fire that is going to be a huge problem later with a small amount of effort now and then now you're only fighting on one front right fighting on two fronts at the same time it's just nonsensical and obviously it's risky for him to just give the coins back and get sued for it later but he's going to get sued by someone so he may as well just get most of the people out of the way. Like the smart BCH community, they just want the 100K coins. Just give them back and that's it. And there's so much evidence. Even the fact that they were consistently, here's the address, here's where they are, they're separate. It's obvious. But uh, yeah, I don't know. The only the only redeeming quality he has at this point is that he's still willing to, in some sense, face the music and go on this live stream. He's still responding in Telegram. And uh, yeah, he's clearly a bit unsure of what he's doing, but social I mean, media Roger, managers, man. But Roger isn't putting out anything. Roger isn't saying any, he's just shut up completely. So I would love it if he would give more of his side of the story, but I guess he's already out of the line of fire. So he's just, uh, you know, gone quiet. And that's probably the best move from his point, point of view, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. 100%. All right. That's, that's enough about that. We've, all right. That's it. That's it for the Coinflex thoughts. Okay, and oh, community comment of the week. <laughs> Here's a good one. This is a this is a this is a banger. So Sonal in the BCH price chat said, "Imagine if Satoshi came around in 2005 with the quote, guys, I have this idea with P2P money, but for now, just buy my centralized shitcoin. I will figure it out later." Laughing emoji. And I just thought this made me laugh so hard when I read it because it really just gets to the bottom of things, which is obviously the CoinFlex situation, but even just in crypto in general, right? There's things are often released with this. Okay, this is the temporary solution. We're going to sort it out later. Now, of course, people are in a rock and a hard place, particularly in BCH, because everybody is also mad if you promise something and then don't deliver. It's vaporware, right? Like um, Kim.com has done. Everybody's like, Kim, why do you promise all this shit and then not deliver it? But on the other hand, if you put out the beta, you put out the early version and you get people going with it and then it turns out to be problems, people are mad about that too, right? So there is a bit of a balance. But on but for the point of this comment, which I do strongly agree with and which I try and do in our own releases, the own you know stuff that the Bitcoin Cash podcast puts out, is instead of just promising in the future, it's going to be great. How about you just zip your lip, focus, get it done and release it once it's done and it's done. Bam, it's out there sorted right why that was how satoshi did it satoshi didn't well he did publish the white paper and then three months later put out the code right but at that time it was so small that nobody knew any different he was answering questions and he even said afterwards i wrote the code before i published the paper, so he already had the code basically uh maybe not completely rock solid but it was basically working and he knew okay i can just publish this and like it's, it's good to go right 
that was a, that was an after effect. He, he didn't write the white paper, put it out there, or write half the white paper. Or I've got an idea, guys. Let alone try and get funding, get uh, buying this in, buying that. You know, now everybody's got like that's the problem that Flipstarter has as well too. Which I mean, I've been a little bit critical of in the past as well. Is you just say I'm going to deliver all this shit give me the money first. No, it should be the other way around. It should be, I've delivered. I wish there was a way that we could do, um, maybe it'll come about that we'll have flip starters where people can basically fund the flip starter, but you can have a kind of, uh, I don't know, custodian or something like that who sits on the money and says, the flip starter is done, now deliver, and then we'll release the money to you. Uh, like that kind of thing, because at the moment you can just get the money and then not deliver, which happens some of the time. Or a lot of the time, right? So, I think every time we talk about flip starters and especially flip starters that didn't deliver, I always get a kick because, like, I feel like very confident in what I've delivered with my flip starter, which was advertised as like you're not getting anything in return from this. But yeah, I mean, but the thing is, yeah, what you're saying is people doing their flip starter, they could have done the same thing. You can literally just right. be upfront and say. I'm going to do my best with this. This might and not just, work. That's, it's a shot exactly. in the dark. That's right. But the more you promise so that you can try and get a bigger... Pa- and I don't know why we haven't seen... I mean, it's really just immaturity in the scene. I'm sure it will develop over time. Is why, like Mark Falzon, actually, big reps to him. He did kind of implement this model where he did a small flip starter, uh, delivered it. Then he did a bigger flip starter and he's delivering that. And then, you know, maybe he'll do a bigger one in the future, right? But he will have a track record of building up. You don't just go straight to uh, max uh, money or whatever, right? Since we have this platform, I'm going to use it to to talk some shit. Yeah, go on. And please, chat, correct me if I'm wrong, but David Bond, hold him accountable. He still needs to deliver on his flip starter. Yeah, Had a bunch of personal issues, right? Sure, that's fine. Still deliver update at the very least um uh, colin instead as well also i give colin a little slack because he has a family now so it was covid and then he has a family so i understand things got whack but deliver you sons of bitches i'm gonna i'm gonna publicly talk shit until you either say hey i'm not doing it anymore and then i'll talk shit one more time to be like you piece of shit and then i'll be over it uh or until you deliver but those yeah, are no, that's enough. where we're at absolutely absolutely i think you know and kim.com he's had a bit of a roast kim what are you doing mate yeah. like <laughs> what's going on there has been no updates there's been no announcements there's been no it's it's in progress here's a beta here's a public demo here's nothing right oh it's gonna and change so the big, internet when yeah 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 righto like kim kardashian i'm gonna break the internet like nobody gives a shit really uh and so yeah uh, bitcoin payment module says somebody dear god please reimburse our team for what we've already done well it's hard to know how to take that but this is where the community i think needs to needs to learn on both sides right one one side needs to learn don't promise a bunch of shit get some money and not deliver don't fucking do that just like we said maybe ask for a small amount if you really need the money then deliver then do it in chunks or something then at the very least, you've limited the amount of damage you're going to do to yourself in terms of, okay, we only asked for one BCH or five BCH or whatever, and we didn't deliver. You can probably even just pay the people back if you, if you screw it up and you really... Like Hayden Otto, 
shout out to him, did do that. He had some problems with his flip starter. There was a, you know drama about it. And he said, look, I'll just give the money back. And he did. Banger. Love it. Great work, mate. Um, then you have uh, people on the other side, and I'm not saying Bitcoin payment module is in this category, but people who sort of approach it from their two engineering focus and they go in the lab and they build all this stuff. And then afterwards, they're kind of like, where's the payoff? No, you've got to be, you've got to thread the needle. You've got to start releasing beta versions early enough to get market feedback and prove that people are actually going to want it, which is the same reason that I did the first episode of this podcast. I didn't get a nice camera and a nice, no, I just made the shittest one hour production job I did. People liked it. So I made it slightly better. I already got you know, donations on that first episode. That's how people should be iterating their products. And I know this because I'm an engineer and left to my own devices, I will I will do what engineers do, which is I'll engineer. I'll go in the in the lab, I'll work for two years and I'll come out of it with something that nobody needs. That's just engineers love engineering. So it's about getting product feedback as like when people talk about MVP, that's what it means. That means you make a website, make it one button with one HTML text. And when they click the button, it sends a message to your phone and you pretend to be the computer and you fill out whatever. You're not going to have it 10 million users overnight. You're going to have one guy who's going to use it and you can be the computer and then automate that piece out of it later, right? That's how you should be approaching product development. Um, I see a comment but... in the chat here. What about asking miners to support developers? Yeah, okay, you can sh- ask. And then what? Yeah, so on-chain scaling, uh, welcome to the chat, first-time chatter. This kind of seems like, well, A, that's what eCash is doing. So if you think that's a good model, Not go check out. Uh, well, they're asking in the sense that the miners don't have to mine their coin. If they do mine their coin, then that uh, implies that they accept those rules. But the the miners are already running a competitive business. They don't... This is what people are always... like. It's just a different version of why don't the whales fund this or do this or do that well the first thing is the whales don't owe you shit if the whales are not doing anything they're busy and the other thing is you don't know what they already are funding there's already is a lot of stuff that they've contributed to they're funding they're supporting they're building they're looking out for the best interests of the community in all kinds of ways that you don't necessarily see so then to be coming out and saying where why aren't you doing more is ridiculous that's not how it works the way it works is if you need a problem it's like changing the game, you know? If something needs to get done, I'll fucking do it myself. That's the attitude you've got to have. If you see a problem, there's two options. I care enough about this that I'm going to go and fix it myself to whatever extent or in whatever way I can, or this is not a problem. There's no other option. You can't ask somebody else to do it for you because we don't. that's not how it works. It's like, okay, so you want to buy a mining rig, right? And you want to support these developers. Okay, well, just to buy an ASIC now, it's like six grand like uh, okay well there's six grand down the drain and you haven't given a developer a coin yet okay and then what's the electricity like there's so much upfront cost and you're just in the hole like and then out of the kindness of your heart you're gonna give like these other people your money and hope that they'll do something better with it than what you can do like I think more de- more developers should become miners, but that's another topic of discussion. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think that really, and that's one of the best, and it's not even really one of the worst things, but it's just one of the most 
the whole thing about crypto, especially Bitcoin, is flipping the mentality of responsibility onto yourself. And I think the world doesn't have enough of that. Not your keys, not your coins. It's the first thing. If you give someone else your coins, they're going to run off with them. Sooner or later, some way, somehow, somebody else is going to be holding the coins and it's going to be their coins. <laughs> that's just how it goes. So you just got to wake up that it's your responsibility to get it done. And that's the same that's the same for the whole ecosystem. It starts with that, but it go, it's like that at every level. You want to get a chip in. You want to get the protocol made better. Where's your chip? Where's your advocacy? Where's the code you've written? You think we need better marketing? What marketing have you done? You think we need the miners to be acting differently? Set up a mining farm and start doing it. You think it's just, it's just always the same, basically. All right, meme of the week. <laughs> we can end with a bit of a positive one. I thought this is a classic. Dr. Parikh Patel, B-A-C-F-A, A-C-C-A, Esquire, Dr. Patel. ETH. <laughs> One of the best Twitter <laughs> accounts. Uh, says he had everyone talking about their stocks today. And he's got a graph with uh, two axes. He's got a bought at the top, basically, with a big red line of having lost money. And then a slight little green uptick and the label, let's fucking go. <laughs> and that's basically what i was doing at the start of this show with oh we're down a ton but we're up this week let's go it's all sorted and that's just the funny thing about human psychology you can be way in the red but a slight little bit of green and the the hopium and the copium just starts flowing we're going to saturn boys that's it exactly but it's just psychology people are so starved of something to be hopeful about that a small thing it's like people's expectations are of the trend to keep going down. So from their point of view, the fact that it started going up is already a huge improvement, even if you're still down in the grand scheme. It's kind of like, well, maybe hope is... People see the parabola that it was going down and then it's got flattened out and now it's going up and they can understand that maybe it's going to keep going up, right? Uh, Of course, sometimes that doesn't happen. I hope to get more cheap coins. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... You say that like uh, everybody says that, but the majority of the market disagrees because I'm by definition, at those, bottom, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I know you are, you are, you are, but most people are not, right? So that's that's just this is this is a good commentary on the the mass market. This is not there's no label here, jet strategy. This is blood in the water. Jer- yeah, exactly. This is Jeremy's like copium uh, graph. <laughs> okay, next thing is the <laughs> is the uh, message to the community. Do you have a message to the community? What do people need to hear? Uh, I have two projects that I don't have time for that definitely need some eyes and hands. So um, they're not even really my projects. I just p- already put some work into them. Right now I'm the only one that has, you know. So if you want to help out, reach out on uh, Telegram. It's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, I do work during the day, so if I don't answer, it is what it is, man. Just be patient. Yeah, everybody's doing this on... And that's another thing. I'm going to add that as my part of the message to the community is people who are coming in and saying, why doesn't X person do Z? It's kind of like, do you understand how how long this takes? Or I don't know whether these people think that everybody's sitting around with 100 million in the bank and just okay in between sitting on the beach with supermodels on my yacht 
I just uh, did a little bit of coding and maybe I should have done a bit extra. No, it's not like that at all. People have jobs. They have families. They have lives. They want to go out and have a beer on Friday night. They want to, you know, it's, it's just everybody, everything is much scrappier in reality than it seems from the outside. That's true of any tech product, actually. Even Elon Musk has talked about that a bit where he just says, look, people are always criticizing Tesla for we delayed this or we didn't release that or whatever. And it's like, yeah, every co company in the world does that. We just kind of own up to it. Um, and we have a lot more eyes on us. So people track this stuff more closely. But that's true. That's exactly how it is. Uh, so if, if then the people who are contributing, they already know how how that goes down and so they're not the ones you see pointing fingers the ones pointing fingers are always the one who are not putting in any work themselves because as soon as you start you realize actually how much goes into it uh behind the scenes off people's kind of own backs right so that what about the royalties from my hit song jeremy yeah exactly you know i let me tell you when you get three spotify listeners per month <laughs> the first thing you do is you cash that 0.01 cents uh and you go like 50 cent that's gonna be my next hit straight to the bank with it that's that's me i'm gonna be coming out with straight to the bank with it uh and you'll all know that yeah i'm i'm chilling on the yacht um when when you see the podcast from from the oh. yacht and not from like my bedroom you'll know like that's when i'm not putting in enough work <laughs> hey uh i'm gonna post in the chat as the podcast but yeah, yeah, it's go me. on, go on, man. It's all good. Uh, you said monthly listeners, and man, so so we had five. I had five. That was my uh... you son of a bitch. Okay, so pre-COVID, uh, I was in a band, like very proud of this band, but uh, studio shut down after we got one song out. So yeah. we still we currently have three monthly listeners, and I don't think this yeah. band is a thing anymore. So don't expect anything from us, but. <laughs> very proud of this so if anyone wants like some i don't know some it's like i would say it's like math metal but i don't know genres are yeah weird. what's it called uh, i'm posting it in the right chat now. here yeah okay here we go spotify let me just read this out for the audio listeners right, right rivals right. and iron yeah. okay rivals r-i-v-a-l-s space a-n space iron like a electron ion i-i-o-n yeah. like a electrolysis that kind of iron yeah it's an anagram. I can't say what for, because trying to build some lore here. But <laughs> okay, all right. Let me just listen to. Okay, synchronicity. If I'm gonna blow my brains out if I listen to this. No, there's uh, no vocals at all. So if people are like, "Oh, metal," don't worry about it. There's no. Oh, shit. Is it loud? All right, that was pretty loud. Yeah, that was pretty loud. I just, I knew that was coming. I still walked straight into it. Uh, okay, yeah, check that out. Synchronicity again. Link will be in the. Link will be in the description. And also check out the Bitcoin Cash podcast on, on Spotify. I've got one song. I wanted to get my second one, right? I want to get Changing the Game up there, but uh, they've auto-detected that I use the sample from Mike Shinoda from Chain, uh, Remember the Name. And so they won't let me uh, upload it. So I talked to the mods on Mike Shinoda's Discord and they were like, we'll ask his management. And then they haven't got back to me. So Mike's really active do? on Twitch too. He might uh, actually be better off just like popping into the chat one day and being like hey man i made this you want to check it out maybe he'll play it yeah, on the stream yeah exactly i think he'd i think he would genuinely like it i think he would be like because i mean the not only is he a cool guy so i 
think he would like that. But uh, also the the whole original music video is them in that scrappy warehouse, yeah. you know, just making it happen with with fucking nothing. I think he would appreciate that vibe. Uh, but anyway, we'll see, we'll see if we can follow that up. Uh, releasing a, a BCH album, I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it. Let me. I'm doing I'm doing what I can. Um, all right, cool. So that's it. Uh, last slide. Thank you to everybody for listening. Donations on the slide, as always. Check out the start guide, the FAQs. I've now made a roadmap uh, as well, although it's still pretty scrappy, but it's kind of in the works. BitcoinCashPodcast.com. Thank you to all the donators. Uh, like I was saying before, don't work in the lab in silence and don't ask for more money that you can. Just deliver and get feedback. And that's what I've been doing with the, dom- the donations. It's been great. So thanks to everyone for that. Shout out to my patron, Ricky, and any other shout outs. Who do, who do you want to give a shout out to this week? Oh, Jesus. You're putting me on the spot. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm just loading up the podcast on my phone so I can give you another another sub here, bro. I'm giving, oh, okay. I'm giving a shout out to the chat, to Bitcoin Jason, to Zick Pete, Bitcoin Payment Modules, and also on-chain scaling for the first time being in there. But uh, particularly those other ones come back week in and week out and they're there when the show goes live and it makes it awesome. It's honestly, it feels much more engaging uh, and interesting. I guess we we did plenty of streams where nobody chatted at all Uh, or maybe somebody came in and put in a spam link for like uh, sex toys or something, right? There was definitely a few of those. So it's it's awesome to have real people uh, engaging in in real time. It's, It's super cool. So yeah, that's my shout out. And I did, by the way, I did turn down the ads as well. People were saying on, on Twitch, they were getting tons of ads. So I looked into it and the default setting is to run a three minutes of ads every eight minutes. Oh, so I was like, Jesus, Jesus, that is a lot. They have it set to max it. So I, ch- I changed it. It's the opposite. Now it's one, one, uh, it's 30 seconds of ads every hour, but that's only if you're watching the replays on Twitch. So hopefully that shouldn't be too annoying. Like we already get donations. We don't, don't worry about that money. I don't need it. Um, cool. So that'll do it for this week and happy BCH fork day to everybody. Uh, happy BCH anniversary. Happy BCH independence. Uh, looking forward to the next five years yet. Yeah, cheers. cheers. I've run out of drinks. That's it. Uh, enjoy everyone. And Until this next one's time. for you, Jeremy. <laughs> Till next time. ever known the rise and rise of bitcoin 2022 a single chance for the world a single moment in time bankers captures all our cryptocurrency flies gets to decide phoenix fly from the flame bitcoin bch forever changing the game an underdog story everyone trying to deny bitcoin revolution crypto trade on the rise then they stole our brand name and tried to push us aside because they said it was over that we never survived